Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, Acts chapter 16. We're, we've been in, a, in an amazing series we're calling Hearts Ablaze. And today we land in Acts chapter 16. This is, an, this is an incredible passage of Scripture. This is a passage of Scripture which I've sat in for a number of years. It's a great preaching passage. It's something that I've actually preached here in this church before, preached to various uh, places around, um, around the, the state and country. And I'm just really excited about what God wants to do because I feel like God has put something new uh, as I've sat with this this week. Because sometimes you're like, you know, I had the privilege this past week of, of preaching to the Generate Presbytery Uniting Church Pastors Conference. How's that for an acronym? Which is basically the evangelical arm of the, the UC. And uh, it was so cool to be there. And I said to them, you know what? I'm not interested in bringing old bread. Like the Word of God is our daily bread. There's a fresh bread. There's messages that are old wine that just get better with age, which is that, that message that God wants to hear. But I feel like... Today, the Lord has put uh, some fresh bread, which I'm excited to dive into. We're gonna start in verse 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, reading through to verse 31 from the NIV. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So by we, it is Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy, and crew. Timothy's only 15. He just got picked up for the trip earlier in chapter 16. Paul's got him under his wing, starting to raise him up as a leader. Uh, And Luke has gone from uh, being someone who's talking, like recounting what has happened as a second person to now using the, the pronoun we. He's saying, I'm now a part of this journey, which is fascinating. So Luke's there. She earned a great deal of money For her owners by fortune telling, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practise. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. That means there was a mob. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. You got the picture? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners have escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus. Amen. And you will be saved. You and your whole household. Amen. What an incredible passage of Scripture. Um, I wanna preach today on the title, The Sound of Freedom. And I'm not talking about the movie. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if any of you guys have. I've heard it's good, but different topic. But I wanna preach on the sound of freedom. Because as I've sat with this and prayed on this this week, again, I've been captivated by that verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The sound of freedom. You know, back in my teaching days at Concordia College, three times a week we had chapel. We started the morning and we had a song as the students walked in and then someone would say a couple of things and then the students would stand up and we would have another song and then someone would speak for about 10 minutes and then they would stand up and leave as we sung our third song. And to get those young people to sing was near on impossible. I had a mate come and he, he preached and he did a great job at our Concordia Chapel. And as he left, he said to me, mate, he goes, your chapel sucks. <laughs> He's like, there's no atmosphere here. There's no vibe here. He's like, what is going on? What is wrong with these young people? It was almost impossible to get them to sing. So much so that the chapel band, so the, the music teachers and the crew who oversaw those guys who led those songs, they, uh, they got these guys to start thinking differently about how can we engage our students in song? And so we started taking a bit of a Life FM vibe to it. You with me? Where they sort of started to sing all kind of encouraging feel-good songs, not necessarily praise and worship in the chapel. And it got to a point where I was like, no, oh, this is starting to bother me. So I actually did a whole chapel presentation about the importance of praise and worship, why we sing praises to God, why, like what worship is, what praise is, why it's there, encouraging people to sing, thinking like, we've just got to try and right this ship a little bit, yeah? And the very next day, the band sang, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was, you know that one? The reason being because it has the line, joy to the world. <laughs> All the boys and girls, joy to the fishies in the deep blue sea, joy to you and me. And I was standing at the back at that point in time as the students were standing up and leaving as Jeremiah was a bullfrog was being sung. And uh, one of my colleagues was standing next to me, put his arm around me and he just goes, it's nice to know we're making a difference, isn't it, Chip? 
It was almost impossible, right, to get these guys singing praises to God, except for four times a year. The last day of term. The last day of term, that chapel was completely different. The last day of term, there was a song that rose from a very deep place. These students would stand, they would clap, they would sing, heck, they would sing a medley if they could. They were singing praise to God. Why? Because in a few short hours, for the next few weeks, they knew they were free free from the confines of school, free from the bell, free from history and geography and um, English. I know they loved PE and no one wanted to be free from that, but they were free. And so with that freedom came this sound because there is a sound of freedom, right? I don't know about you. I am just old enough to remember the Berlin Wall coming down. Anyone here old enough to remember that? I remember as a six-year-old, the images are burned in my head of people having their big sledgehammers banging on that walls, the walls coming down and David Hasselhoff up there singing whatever, looking for freedom, I think it was, like belting out this song. And there was this sound of freedom that rose from those people as the Berlin Wall was being torn down. There's something about freedom. There's something about people who have been oppressed or who have been stuck, who have found freedom and there's this sound that rises up. Are you with me? And we see it all throughout human history. You even see it in the Scriptures. Like you see it in Exodus 15 as Israel has come through the Red Sea and there's a song written by Moses and Miriam and they sing a song. Why? Because they're free. And so a sound rises up. You see it uh, in Psalm 9, which is a Psalm that was written after David slew, I think is the word, Goliath. When Goliath came tumbling down, Psalm 9 got written. You know what Psalm 9 says? It says, I will give thanks to You, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of Your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in You. I will sing the praises of Your Name, O Most High. See, over and over again in the Scriptures, when God brings about freedom, there is a song that rises up. There is a sound of freedom. There is a sound of a people seeking freedom. It's like a determined, gritty war cry, a rallying cry as people seek that. But there's a different sound that comes when freedom has been found. It's a sound of celebration. And so I got stuck this week. I got captivated on verse 25. Because verse 25 says about midnight, everyone say midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The Greek there is the word humneo. Everyone say humneo. What it means is to bring praise and songs of celebration. Praise and songs of celebration. Humneo is the sound of freedom. And as I sat in here, the question that I asked was why? How? 
Why are Paul and Silas bringing a sound of freedom given the context that they find themselves in? Especially when you understand the backstory. You see the backstory here, if we read all of 16, is that Paul and Silas are on mission and they're trying to get into to Asia. They believe that they've been called to Asia. So they've been trying to get in there. And the, the Scriptures tell us that the Spirit of Jesus prevented them from going into Asia. They wanted to go there and God said, no, 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 I don't want you to go there. And then one night, Paul has a vision. He's a dream that a man from Macedonia is saying, come and help us. Come and help us. A man from Macedonia. So Paul wakes up and he's like, God's calling us to go and preach the gospel in Macedonia. So they jump on a ship, they sail to Macedonia and they work their way to a city called Philippi. And as they get there, they begin to see incredible fruit. Because if you look at this little passage from verse 13, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now, here's a couple of interesting things about Philippi. Philippi is a really wealthy city. Philippi was was, was known as a, a, a part of the royal gateway, right? Philippi had gold mines. It was a place that was really important uh, for, for Greece, it was a, for, for Macedonia, it was a very important wealthy city with important wealthy people, but it didn't have a place of prayer. What does that mean? It only required 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. The fact that there was not a synagogue, that there was not a place of prayer means that there were not even 10 God-fearing men in that city. Because if you had, if you're a Jewish man, if you're a God-fearing man and there were 10 of you, you would, you would always start a synagogue. You would always start a place of prayer. And there was no place of prayer to be found except for some women gathered And so Paul and Silas who are going to the synagogue after seeing a vision from God of a man from Macedonia wanting to be hearing the gospel and and going in faith, believing this is the door that God is opening up for us, expect to find a synagogue, don't find one. So this is the unchurched land. And somehow along the way, there's a woman there whose name is Lydia. And Lydia is clearly a bit entrepreneurial. She's, she's dealing in purple cloth, which was a rare uh, material that was worn, especially by very wealthy people in high demand, but rare to find. So she's like, she's a wealthy woman. And somewhere along the way in her journey, she has encountered the God of Yahweh because it says she worshipped God. She was a God worshipper. And she's obviously rallied some other women and those women are there to pray. And Paul and Silas find them and they sit down with them and they share the gospel. They share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what happens? They come to faith. 
Their eyes are open, their hearts come alive to the truth that Jesus Christ is the fulfilment of all the Jewish scriptures, that He is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to set them free from the curse of sin and death. He has made them alive in Him. And they receive that with such joy. She's like overwhelmed and then her whole household gets saved. Not only is she an entrepreneur, but she's an evangelist. And then she's like, I wanna partner with you in this ministry. Come and let my house be the place where you stay. Like, let me serve you. Let me, let me look after you guys as you go about this ministry. Now, put yourself in Paul and Silas's shoes for one minute. You know, we love to do this in this church. Just put yourself in their shoes. You are expecting to go somewhere. God has given you a vision a dream, a picture, this is where we're going. You set foot in this rich city where the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are very, very few. You immediately engage this group of women who are zealous for God. They receive the gospel gladly. People are saved and you're thinking, come on, amen? You're thinking fruitful soil, here we go. This is the call of God. We're right in the centre of God's will. This is exciting, this is amazing. And then you're walking down the street and there's a woman there who's got a demonic spirit in her who's saying stuff and you turn around, you rebuke that spirit and the spirit leaves her and you're thinking, hallelujah. People getting saved, people getting set free from demonic oppression. God is on the move. What more could He possibly do in this city that He's clearly called us into? And then in an instant, everything changes. Because that girl's owners, because she was a slave, get ticked off that they've lost their income so they have them arrested. They bring him into the marketplace, into the mob, where the mob, the riot kind of gets stirred up. Like people are angry and they start hurling abuse at them. But more than abuse, they then get beaten severely with rods. It's not just a wooden spoon on the back of the hamstring folk who used to have a bit of that action. Beaten severely with rods. And then they're thrown into the inner cell, which means a place of complete darkness, dungeon vibe. They've got their feet chained. And you have to believe, you have to recognise that there has to be whispers in their head and their heart saying, what the heck? How did we get here? Why would God call us here to then abandon us in this moment? Why, why is this happening? You've got to believe that those thoughts, these are human beings. You've got to believe that there's, there's doubt coming in and there's whispers coming in saying, where's your God now? Did He really call you here? Is this really what He had for you? Beaten, faces bloodied, 
eyes swollen, back bruised, ribs broken, hard to breathe, feet chained, freezing cold dungeon. There they lie. And so as I read this, I was like, do you know what? I get prayer. I get that. Like I get as you're in that place that you would be praying to God, yeah? I get that you would be, Lord, deliver us. Lord, like you would be laboring in prayer. You would be saying, God, come through. Lord, where are you? Lord, why have you left us here? Lord, what are you doing? You would be praying and crying out to God for deliverance. But the sound of freedom, the song of celebration, of praise, I was like, what's that all about? How is it that these guys in this position at this time can not just pray, but sing songs of praise? and celebration to God. How is it that they can lift up a sound of freedom? You know, the more I sat with this, the more a thought came to mind, which led me to read more of Paul's letters And the more I read Paul's letter, the more it affirmed this thought, but just maybe the reason they could lift up a sound of freedom in the midst of their imprisonment is because they understood that they were actually already free. That they're already free that they understand, that they have so encountered the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has done such a work in their lives. They have such intimacy with Him that He is so enthroned upon the hearts of their lives that they understand that even in their imprisonment, they are free. He's already set them free and whatever He leads them into, there is a shout that can rise from the very depths of their beings because their freedom is not determined by their circumstance, but by the eternal reality that Christ has bought for them at Calvary. And so they're able to lift up a shout of praise. And I just love, I love to imagine this scene. Who loves just to dive in and imagine a scene? I can't help but imagine this scene that there they are in utter darkness, side by side, Paul and Silas, other prisoners, it says, are there listening to them as they're praying, as they're labouring in prayer. And I don't know who it was that started singing, but in my imagination, I love to imagine that it was Paul. I just love to imagine that as they're praying, there's Paul and he's just like, in the darkness, we were waiting without hope and without light. Silas is probably there as he's praying. He's like, shut up, Paul. I'm just in the middle of a prayer. (laughs) Stop singing, please. And Paul just sits there and just, continues, you know, that song. 
till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. And how many of you know Silas was a singer? It says he was a great orator, a man powerful in word and deed. I reckon he was old school. I reckon he was like a, he loved to sing from down here with a bit of vibrato. That's just my, that's purely my imagination. It's not in the Bible, but that's how I see this scene. And I reckon as those words start to ring out, as Paul starts to sing and declare, as they, in prayer labouring, they start to declare the reality of what is going on in heaven. The reality of what has happened for their, their spiritual condition and their soul. And as they start to declare what Jesus has done in song, I reckon Saul's just like, do, no, 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 no. And then he's like, praise the Father. And he just, I just love to imagine belting that, praise the Son, praise. And Paul's like, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, then they try and hit that high note, majesty. Always got it. Praise forever to the King of Kings. And as worship and praise starts to rise, the Spirit of God starts to move. And a great earthquake starts to shake the foundations of the prison. And it says, prison doors fling open wide and the chains come loose. And in that moment, as they're praising God and as they're praying and the hand of God moves, Paul and Silas choose to not get up. Hang on, I must have read that (laughs) wrong before because, oh no, it says they they stayed where they were. What? Anyone else confused by that? Like Peter, a few chapters ago, when the angel came and broke his chains and set him free, said, get up and follow me. And he walked out of prison. God comes in might and power and he shakes the whole prison and he releases chains and opens the doors and Paul and Silas stay right where they are. I'm like, what the heck? Why did they not get up and walk out? Because they knew they were already free. And it occurred to me that not long before, Paul and Silas had been, well, Paul had been given a vision and he'd been given a vision of a man from Macedonia. And up until this point, a woman from Macedonia had gladly received the gospel in her household. But I just wonder if Paul and Silas stay there because they know who they are and they understand that what Christ has done, Christ has called them here. He's positioned them there for a reason that a man from Macedonia might receive the gospel. And I just wonder if in sitting there like, here is a man who needs to hear the gospel.
And so the jailer wakes up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he would have been killed anyway. But Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Why? Because you need to hear the Gospel, brother. Because you need to understand that Jesus has come to set you free from the curse and sin and death. So we will sit in our circumstance knowing that Christ is greater so that the Gospel would not be inhibited, but so that everyone in this prison would hear the good news of Jesus and come to the living, vibrant faith in Him that doesn't just save them for a moment, but saves them for eternity. Because the reality is, friends, that it doesn't matter how much wealth we have, how much fame we have, how high we are up the corporate ladder, how well positioned and postured our family is, how good things are on this earth. It doesn't matter any of the things that we choose to build our value and and say, this is what, what fulfills my identity and gives me meaning. Every single one of those things will fall away. There's not a single person on this earth who are in this room and on this earth who a hundred years from now will still be alive, but by the grace of God. Everything will pass away. All the things we put our worth and value in, all of that will fade away. And I think deep down we know it. That's why we keep seeking it because the more we get, the more we realise we don't have what we need there's still something missing because God has put eternity in our hearts and Christ has come to fulfill the core fundamental need of humanity, which is freedom from the curse of sin and death because you were made that you might have life and Christ has come that you would have life and life to the full. And it is only truly found in Him and every earthen possession that He gives us is that we might go and use those things to proclaim the glory of God, whether it be good times or bad times that Paul and Silas find themselves in. To proclaim the reality that it's all about Him. That it's all about Him. Jesus is the one who sets captives free. And friends, I love that this happens in Philippi because what we can do is we can go back in the book and we can read a letter that Paul wrote to this church years later. And you can imagine that here is this prison guard, now years later, believing in Jesus, a part of the church, Lydia, her household, believing in Jesus, a part of the church, and everyone that they have also helped lead to the Lord, all sitting together, reading this from Philippians 3, 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death and so how, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. And you can sit there, just imagine them sitting there hearing those words for the first time and saying, Amen. I saw it in you and now it's true in me. I saw it in you and now it's true in me. And friends, the same is true for us today as the church. I think sometimes with these stories, we read them as old stories and we go, yeah, that's cool. The chains fell off. Like so often we, we breeze and brush over this stuff. But this is a word for us today. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what prison you find yourselves in. I don't know what circumstance you find yourself in. I don't know what call of God that you believe God had called you into. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, God put a vision on my heart. God showed me this is where He wants me to go and I walked in obedience and all that came from that was pain and hardship. Like, and those same thoughts and doubts have filled your mind. Like, where was God when? Where was God when this happened? Why did He allow this? Why did this go wrong? I thought this was gonna happen and it ended up looking like this. But friends, the key is to understand that if you are suffering, guess what? Jesus suffered on a cross that you might know that your suffering is not in vain, that you do not suffer alone. If you're lonely, you look at Jesus sitting there by the well when the adulterous woman who was lonely and lost and broken came and Jesus had time for her and spoke life into her and said, there's living water available for you. Jesus is enough. He's enough. And when we understand the freedom that we have in Him, that we are already free in Him, when the Gospel comes alight and alive in our hearts and our minds, then the sound can rise. Then the song of praise will rise. It will not be something we have to force. We don't have to sing in that moment and be like, oh, I have to praise to get breakthrough. I think sometimes it's taught like that. I have to praise to get breakthrough. No, I praise because I've already received breakthrough in Christ and I wanna reach up to heaven and take the kingdom reality and, and declare it in my earthen circumstance. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, whom the Son sets free are free indeed. And He has positioned me right where I am. And I know that there is a purpose here. Because when the Gospel comes alive in our hearts, friends, what we see in Paul and Silas is that it brings a kingdom perspective. Even as they are sitting in their prison they're not looking at the chains around their feet. They're looking at the Son who is on the throne. Amen? And they know that the promises that He is preparing a place for me are true. 
There is an eternal perspective. There is a kingdom perspective. There is a different reality that we live by as children of the living God. It's a different reality and it enables us to view every situation and every circumstance through a different lens. It enables to look at a a place of pain and say, God, what would you do in and through this situation? It enables us to take a position of, of, of pleasure and success and instead of allowing it to get to our heads, to say, God, what would you do in and through me in this situation? It shifts the perspective, it shifts the lens and it changes everything. It gives a kingdom perspective. And more than that, it therefore gives kingdom purpose. Amen. As we were praying up there, Ali said something in prayer and it just resonated in my spirit. She said, I pray that for anyone here who has experienced disappointment, there would be a fresh perspective and they would see it as a re-appointment. I was like, oh, that's good. That's exactly what's happened here with Paul and Silas. The reason they can sit in prison and shout a song of freedom, the reason they can celebrate God's goodness even when they're in chains is because they understand this is not a disappointment. God has not abandoned them. In fact, God has positioned them. That they are right here in a room full of people who are silent and listening and they're like, this prison's now become a pulpit and there's nothing they can do about it. Anyone read The Heavenly Man? I love that. He talks about this in China. He's like, well, I'm here. I might as well preach the gospel. What more can they do? They can take that. They can take that. They can take that, but they can't take what God has put inside of me. And I'm gonna declare this truth. He has reappointed me. He has put me exactly where He wants me so that I can declare the goodness of God so that someone in this room, someone in this same circumstance, someone in this same position, someone who's going through just what I've been through can find freedom in Christ. The kingdom perspective brings about a kingdom purpose. And here's what happens. When you start to walk in kingdom purpose, you see kingdom light. Ben, you come up, we're gonna close. I love this, verse 29. After Paul had shouted out, don't harm yourselves, we're all here. What does the jailer do? He calls for lights. He rushes in, he falls trembling before Paul and Silas. He brings them out and the first thing he says is not, why did you stay? The first thing he says is not, what the heck just happened? Light has come into his soul. And so he says, what do I have to do to be saved? (laughs) Paul and Silas haven't even preached the gospel to him yet. He's just seen it in action. Friends, this is right here, right here is a physical demonstration of the spiritual reality of what Jesus said that He had come to do. It's a fulfilment of what was prophesied in Isaiah 42, seven. Can we put that up? Isaiah 42, five to nine. 
Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah says that He's come to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Keep going. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. This is what Jesus comes at the start of His ministry when He opens this exact scroll from Isaiah and He says, I have come to set the captives free. I've come to bring sight to the blind. I've come to release those trapped in darkness. And then He says, see, this is fulfilled in our day, yeah? Everything that Isaiah prophesied, everything Jesus said He fulfilled is happening right here, literally in this text. It is a physical fulfilment. It's a physical demonstration of the greater eternal reality of what Christ wants to do in the hearts and lives of every single person to set us free. Whom the Son sets free, they're free. If you are in Him, you are free. And therefore there is a praise that should rise up. Church, if you know Christ, there's a reason to sing. A reason to sing that far outweighs the position or your circumstance or whatever it is you find yourself in. There is a reason to sing because you are free. You are free. You are free. You are free. Sin and death no longer has mastery. You are free. Do you understand that today, church? You are free. You are free. The dungeon has not got power over you. The chains that you think are binding you have no power over you. Paul and Silas understood that. It's why they could sit there and sing when they were on and why they could sit there and sing when they were off. Because they knew those chains had no power. Those chains didn't define who they were. Those chains couldn't determine the course of their life. Christ determines the course of their life. Christ is the one who has power. He has bought them at a price. He has called them, repositioned them, given them a purpose for His glory. And so it didn't matter where they were, they were gonna walk in His covenant promise. They were free. So there was a sound that rose from their gut. Church, simple question. Are you free today? Are you free? Do you know that you are free? If you are not, if you do not know the freedom that is yours in Jesus, I wanna invite you to step into that right now. I wanna invite you in this exact moment to make a decision and say, Jesus Christ, I wanna surrender my life to You. I wanna give my life to You. I give You everything that I have. I give You all that I am because I know that it's only in You that I can be free. I wanna invite you to make that decision in your own heart, between you and God. And if you're here today and you've believed in Jesus, but you've lost perspective, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet and sing this song and let fresh perspective come and let God put some purpose in your heart again.
to remind you of all that He has done for you. That even in your darkness, there is a light that you have in Him. That you can walk in peace and power and the freedom of God. Would you stand to your feet? I just feel like it's time for a praise to rise up in this place. Amen. That there's gonna be a praise that maybe you're gonna sing right now that you haven't sung in a long time. To declare what Jesus has done and to say, Lord, give me fresh perspective and give me fresh purpose wherever I am, that Your light would come and open the eyes of the blind, that the lost would be found, (laughs) that those trapped in their own prisons would walk in freedom. Loving Heavenly Father, I pray over my brothers and my sisters. And I pray a blessing over them now in the Name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray freedom over this place. We pray freedom for every soul. Lord, we pray joy to flood the hearts of those who are suffering, for those who are wrestling with anxiety, those who are wrestling with a sense of abandonment, those who are disillusioned and disappointed right now and saying, God, why? I pray right now, Lord, as a shout of praise goes up that their hearts would be flooded with joy, that the praise would rise and the perspective would come and purpose would be renewed. I pray renewed purpose. As, as Ali prayed, that disappointment would become reappointment, that they'd pick up the call of God to say, it's not about me, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by Your Spirit. So Lord, whatever it is, use me right here, right now. I have a message, I can declare the freedom of God. I can declare that Christ is enough, that Christ has won me, that Jesus has come for the salvation of the world that He who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God. And I'm gonna declare that freeing, beautiful, wonderful reality, the eternal Kingdom reality to the world. Lord, that we would see a mighty harvest in our day. And Lord, for every soul here who's like, yes, Lord, I wanna receive You. We just pray with them right now. We thank You, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord Jesus. We worship You, Lord, and we honour You.
Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. We're going to sing that song. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.